You faint in the day of adversity. Your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we do not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his works? Proverbs 24, 10 through 12. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Um, what's up? This is Bridge Radio, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Julio Rodriguez. You can call me July. I am your host, and today is podcast episode number seven. We have an interesting one to say the least. It's going to be on the topic of abortion, a very, very touchy, touchy subject. We have two articles in front of us um, that we're going to be addressing in this podcast. Um, CBS News published an article in a video titled, What Kind of Society Do You Want to Live In? Inside the Country Where Down Syndrome is Disappearing. Yes, we're going to be addressing that. And then we have Christina Forrester, who's the founder and director of Christian Democrats of America. She, she published a, an article in the Huffington Post titled, The Truth About Christianity and Abortion. And she makes some pretty uh, audacious claims, saying that the Old Testament and the New Testament don't address abortion. The Apostolic Fathers don't address it as well, so therefore it's okay. Sort of that kind of logic. Um, and so we're going to be refuting reasoning with it through logic, reason. Um, and the first thing that we want to make clear in this podcast is this has nothing to do with being Republican or being on the Democratic Party. So we want to just brush aside politics and get down to the core issue of if you are a professing Christian, are you justified in your belief of your pro-choice stance and position? And today we're going to find out on this podcast that you don't. The scripture and the word of God should be where you uh, find your doctrine, your theology, uh, and everything else. And you'll quickly find that you are left hanging, <laughs> hanging um, in, in just midair. And you can't, you can't find scripture in the Bible that is going to justify your belief of being pro-choice. So um, here we're pro-life. So obviously <laughs> this is why we're doing this podcast. So, um, but before we jump into that, um, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest who's here, um, Leanne Denhartog. She is the wife of Steve Denhartog. These are the two founders, so. Hi, I'm really excited to be here today, and this is something that, uh, you know, we're passionate about. And, and again, yes. it's something that uh, a lot of people come in looking for materials through our bookstore, so... Um, yeah, this has this isn't our first time around with this topic. Oh no, yeah, I think we, we 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 talk about this quite often, just with news, and we're like, oh my gosh, look at this! This is crazy too. Go look this up today. It was right before we we recorded this podcast. In Missouri, the Satanic Temple and Planned Parenthood teamed up to open up a second abortion clinic. Because from what I from what I last read, the uh, there was only one abortion clinic in Missouri. So talk about playing on the wrong team of morality you know what i mean so we, we might be addressing uh, addressing that in this podcast but yeah just talk about wild so but before we we get into the the first um the first article which is was produced by cbs news um i just wanted to encourage everybody uh we, we're we're a ministry bridge ministry based out of uh, the great state of texas yeah. yes 
And uh, we're a Christian bookstore and coffee shop. If you're in the location, Laredo, Texas, uh, you could find us at 6019 McPherson Road, Suite 8. And we sell everything from theology books, devotionals, Bibles, CDs, uh, Christian CDs, that is, uh, movies, pens, cups, mugs. <laughs> you can find anything Christian that is here, any topic, uh, Calvinism, Arminianism, um, soteriology, apologetics. Um, and if we don't have it, hey, we could we could order it for you. So you could call us in. Uh, I'll provide the number uh, in the description below on the podcast, and you could call us. And uh, and also too, if, to support our ministry, you could go to the website www.bridgemenlaredo.org. You can scroll down to the bottom, uh, hit the donate button, guys. This is one thing that I do want to address: is that these podcasts we're only on episode number seven. And talk about we've been hitting countries around the world. And I, I, I have a list here that I wanted to share with you. And I just want to let you guys know that whenever you support this ministry, you're not only helping out an orphanage that is in Mexico, but you're also helping spread the gospel, the Christian worldview out into the world. And this is just to list some of the countries that we've hit. So obviously the United States, we've hit the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, Mexico, Nigeria and Kenya, Ukraine, Singapore, Bangladesh, France, India, Sweden, Czech Republic, Romania, Poland, Chile, Ireland, Greece, Costa Rica, Malaysia, Malaysia, Japan, and Portugal. Wow. <laughs> yes, that's a lot of countries, and and and, and I could I could look at this at our, at our website statistics of who's visiting the articles, who's looking at the uh, at the podcast, and we've had pretty big names, J J Warner Wallace, J P Holding, we've had on. Um, Eli, Elia, Eric Hernandez we've had on. And then we just got an email recently that we're going to have Douglas Wilson on. <laughs> I'm like geeking out about that. He's one of my favorite pastors, theologians. When I got the email, I was with Raw. What's up, Raw, if you're listening? And I like slammed the table and I was like, oh my God, we're getting Douglas Wilson. So I was like super excited. Uh, we're planning on getting Dr. Kenneth Gentry to talk about eschatology in the future. And then we got in contact with Creation Ministries International. So they're going to be bringing on uh, coming onto the show as well. And if you've seen the movie is Genesis history, I've contacted the director and screenwriter of the movie. He wants to come on to the podcast. So we're getting some pretty big names and we're only growing larger and larger and larger. And so, yeah, we, we, we plan to go big time here at bridge ministries with, with bridge radio. So, and you know, th this, uh, if you come and support our ministry, this is the, what you're getting right you're getting this material not only bibles and, and material for your church and your own growth in equipping the saints or equipping yourself but um you also get these podcasts right so um i just encourage you guys to support whatever you could give thank you so much even if it's just a one-time donation thank you and we also sell delicious coffee here yeah. so <laughs> so anyway um that's that again like and share we're also on itunes and subscribe so now let's go ahead and get into today's topic. So, but before we begin, we're gonna start off with an audio clip of Gianna Jensen. And she's gonna go ahead and tell her own testimony, a little bit of the beginning of her pro-life position. So here we go. I'm adopted and my biological mother was 17 and so was my biological father. She was 
seven and a half months pregnant when she decided to go to Planned Parenthood, which is the largest abortion provider in the world, and they counseled her to have a late-term saline abortion, which is a saline salt solution that is injected into the mother's womb. The baby gulps that solution, it burns the baby inside and out, and then she is to deliver a dead baby within 24 hours. And to everyone's great shock and surprise, uh, I didn't arrive dead, but alive on April the 6th, 1977, in a Los Angeles County abortion clinic. What's fantastic about this, about the perfect timing of my arrival, is that the abortionist was not on duty yet. So he wasn't even given the opportunity to continue on with his plan for my life, which was death. And I know that I'm in a government building, and a beautiful one it is, and I love your country as well as my own. But I know in the age that we live in, it is not at all politically correct to say the name of Jesus Christ in places like this, to, to bring him into these sorts of meetings because his name can make people so terribly uncomfortable. But I didn't survive so I could make everyone comfortable. I survived so I could stir things up a bit. And I have a great time doing it. <laughs> and there you go. That's Gianna Jensen. Awesome. I, I, the first time I listened to that speech, Leanne showed it to me here in the mm -hmm. back. And I just got chills down my spine. And I, I encourage everybody to go listen to that. It's, uh, her name's Gianna Jensen again, abortion survivor. And she's speaking, uh, I guess, a Something in Australia dealing with politics. I don't know. But anyway, I like it that she's professing Christ is Lord. And she's stirring up things a bit. And that's exactly what we're going to do here on this podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, the first article, CBS News published an article and video titled, What Kind of Society Do You Want to Live In? Inside the Country Where Down Syndrome is Disappearing. And this is part of the first paragraph uh, or the first couple of paragraphs. It says, with the rise of prenatal screening tests across Europe and the United States, the number of babies born with Down syndrome has, significant, has significantly decreased, but few countries have come as close to eradicating Down syndrome's births in Iceland. Since prenatal screening tests were introduced in Iceland in the early 2000s, the vast majority of women, close to 100%, who received a positive test for Down syndrome terminated their pregnancy. While the tests are, are optional, the, governors, the government states that all expectant mothers must be informed about availability of screening tests, which reveal the likelihood of a child being born with Down syndrome. Around 80 to 85% of pregnant women choose to take the prenatal screening test, according to the university hospital that's there. Um, and even at the very beginning of the introduction of the video, the, you're not going to be able to see it. We're going to play some of the, some of the video here. But um, at the very, very beginning of the video, it says, Iceland is on the verge of eliminating Down syndrome. We went there to explore the impact that is having that it's having on society. So the one thing that, that I got out of this video, like right off the bat, was their, the wording that they use. Mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely crazy. So they use the word eliminate, eradicate, 
and disappearing. What do you, what do you have to say about that, Leanne? Well, again, it's, it's, it's the choice of a wrong word. Because if you yeah. look at science and you look at in past medical things, if we use the word eradicate, eliminate, it was because, okay, we gave a vaccine. Okay, you know, right. mumps, measles, things are almost re- eradicated, eliminated because you stopped it from happening even from the beginning. But let's look at what actually causes Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you know, maybe some people are misled in thinking, oh, they can do a test and uh, you can find out genetically that maybe you're predisposed. Yeah, we got it. Anyways, towards that. And so I looked it up on the NIH National Human Genome Research Institute. Okay, and it says most chromosome abnormalities occur as an accident in the egg or sperm. So most do. And then they said an example of a condition caused by a numerical abnormality is Down syndrome. An individual with Down syndrome has three copies of chromosome 21 rather than two. And for that reason, the condition is also known as trisomy 21. Again, it is not something that you are genetically in your heritage. It cannot be predicted. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, it cannot be eradicated because you can't have a vaccine against it. It is not like a genetic thing like a hemophilia or something like that where, you know, you can say, yes, this this is, has to do with, again, a abnormality in number of chromosomes, not a, a damaged chromosome. Yeah. No, no, no. Of course. And, and, and the logic of saying you're eliminating Down syndrome is, is that of saying we are eliminating blindness when in the reality you're killing people who are, are blind. Who are blind. Right. So we're just we're eradicating yeah. it by killing anybody who has it. That's yeah. that's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. And Patricia Heaton um, said this. Iceland isn't actually eliminating Down syndrome. They're just killing everybody that has it. Big mm-hmm. difference. Exactly. Yeah. Like exactly. And I wanted to talk about too, like why this hits home for me and you personally because I have an uncle whom I love dearly his name's Robert Benavides Uncle Bob I've always called him that since I was five he has Down syndrome and let me tell you he is happy he loves his mother he plays video games he is a person he's loving he's kind Sure, he could be a little hard-headed and stubborn, <laughs> you know. But who else? I mean, we're all that way. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all that way, you know. And, and my family loves him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's happy. And I, if you met him, you would love him as well, too. So that's actually just something that I wanted to, to tackle on, on this on this topic or this article is even if people who are born with Down syndrome or some sort of mental disability, are they still created in the, in the image of God? And it's a resounding yes, mm-hmm. according to Scripture. Again, we're, 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 gonna, we're, trying to, we're, we're focusing on the Christian who takes a pro-choice uh, position. Are they justified according to Scripture? So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about that according to this. And, and I just wanted for, for Leanne to talk about, too, about her brother. Right. Um, Well, first of all, also in the article, they said many people born with Down syndrome can live full, healthy lives with an Mm -hmm. average lifespan of around 60 years. Okay, so again, you think about all the other things that sometimes go wrong in a pregnancy. So you're saying, okay, 60 years isn't good enough. I think about some of the the other, you know, birth defects and things that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just amazed at these parents, you know, and over and over again, you hear it. Yeah. They, they talk about it's a privilege to carry this life and yeah. for as long as the Lord has. Um, and yeah, my whole background, I, I, my background is in special education. I have an older brother who has special needs. 
Um, you know, he's he does not have Down syndrome, but, you know, has a multitude of, of things that he has to deal with. Um, and I devoted a large part of my life working with people with Down syndrome. I worked at a camp called Camp Sunshine for 15 years. Um, and I just see how, and, and like Julio said, we're going to reiterate this again, but it, it makes us more human. You know, mm-hmm. if we don't have people who have special needs, if we don't ever have to live outside of ourselves, it's a very cold society. And I love some of the quotes by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. um, which really bring it to mind. He says, the test of morality of a society is what it does for its children. Mm-hmm. And another quote from him is, the ultimate test of a moral society is the kind of world that it leaves to its children. Yeah. And here we are, we're, we don't really care. We're going to just eradicate the children who have issues. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we're, we're going to play the clip, too, uh, of the video off of this article. But I wanted to read this, too. According to the Down Syndrome Association of Atlanta, there's actually a section that's, that, 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 that I guess people ask this question a lot. Can Down Syndrome be prevented or cured? This is what they have to say. Currently, there is no way to prevent Down syndrome. We do not know that there are risk factors related. No, we do know that there are risk factors related to the occurrence of Down syndrome, advance in age, uh, family history, and chromosomal translocation. Um, there is no correlation between religion, race, environment, nationality, or socioeconomic status about Down syndrome people. Down syndrome is a result of a genetic abnormality. A cure is not possible at this time. I mean, just reiterating what what you were talking about. But we have to stress, it's a numerical abnormality. Yeah. Because there's other ones that, you know, you could say, oh, yeah, this is on this, you know, gene, and and so there's something that can be done about it, Mm -hmm. or, you know, but it's it's a numerical one. Yeah. So it's it's not one of those that gets caused by something, so to speak, that you can predict. Yeah. Um, Yeah, personally, too, because my last child I had at 40, and, yeah, they were really pressing me to have all the tests. Mm-hmm. And finally, I told him, one, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to sue you because I can tell he was nervous. Yeah. And I said, I will love this child. And, you know, I was totally yeah. fine with whatever the Lord blessed us with. Yeah. So. Blessed us with. Different perspective of mm-hmm. what some people what some people view. So um, anyway, so th- some shocking statistics are coming up right now. So we're just going to play the first couple of seconds of the video of the CVS article. So here it is. says, Iceland on the verge of eliminating Down syndrome. Not eliminating. We want to explore the impact it is having on society. Here you go. You good, Augusta? Nope. Okay, here. When you found out she had Down syndrome, what went through your mind? Uh, I don't know. We were just surprised. Wow. Let's go. Augusta, Because we hadn't thought about that possibility. Children like Augusta are becoming increasingly rare here in Iceland. That's because over the last decade or so, 100% of pregnant women whose prenatal tests have come back positive for Down syndrome have decided to end their pregnancies. This is a country of about 350,000. It has now almost completely eliminated Down syndrome births since the test began in the early 2000s. There are similar trends across Europe, a stark contrast with the United States, where parents decide to end 67% of these pregnancies. Okay, so we're going to stop there. Yeah, so it says termination rate for pregnancies following a Down syndrome diagnosis. So we have Iceland that's at 100% or like 99%. We have Denmark that's at 98%. Um, the United Kingdom at 90 France at 77 And then we have the United States 
at 67%. That is high. I was just talking with somebody at Bridge talking about the podcast and I shared her these stats and she said 67? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> she was just, she, yeah, she was shocked. Well, and I think the thing too that people forget is that when you are forced to not live a life that you control, it makes you cling to God. And, you know, and I can speak personally from having an older brother with special needs. I was pretty self-centered. And I look at the blessing Eric is to me because he changed me from someone that the Lord used to, to, instead of thinking only about myself, to how can I protect him? How can I look out for him? And I can remember specifically the very day that God kind of got through my hard heart and started getting me to be sympathetic and empathetic. And I think we see that in society as a whole today. You look at the world, are we more sympathetic, empathetic, or are we less? And I think, mm, you know, yeah. from the news reports, we're not heading in a positive direction. No, 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 we're not. Again, I, I, I was surprised, you know, 100%. This, this, this to me was like, when I first read the article, I went, oh my goodness. Um, I posted the article online and someone in the comment section said, wow, man, this is Hitler's eugenics mm -hmm. program come to full, like, come to life. And this is something that Adolf Hitler suggested. Um, wartime, Adolf Hitler suggested, was the best time for eliminating of the incurably ill. Many Germans did not want to be reminded of individuals who did not measure up to their concept of a master race. The, physical, the physically and mentally handicapped were viewed as useless to society, a threat to the Aryan genetic purity, and ultimately unworthy to life. I think kind of we we see that as well mm -hmm. too in society. So I wanted to share this. I, I read this back in in 2014, and I was like, oh my god! I mean, and that's that that aligns up with something that Richard Dawkins said. Mm -hmm. And Richard Dawkins, Richard Dawkins, he, he's a well-known atheist. For those of you who don't know, he's part of the Four Horsemen, which is um, <laughs> Dawkins, uh, Harris, Hitchens, and Daniel Dennett. But he had to say this. Abort it and try again. It would be immoral to bring it into the world if you have the choice. And what he's talking about aborted, he's talking about Down syndrome kids. He goes on to say, yes, it is very civilized. These are fetuses diagnosed before they have human feelings. And then he goes on to say, because people were, were kind of getting at him or backing him up, so he was going on and on. He says, apparently I'm a horrid monster for recommending what actually happens to the great majority of Down syndrome fetuses. They are aborted. So he's even, he's even confessing it right out. He says, I do not for one moment apologize for approaching moral philosophical questions in a logical way. There is a place for emotion, and this isn't it. <laughs> so, I mean, he's just flat out, you know, his atheistic worldview is shining forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Consistently, I would say. Yes. Well, and it gets back to, okay, where, what is your definition of perfection? And I know... Um, uh, a, a true story that I read about a, a Jewish man who had a special needs son. Mm -hmm. And he was speaking at a respite conference for people who help take care, you know, and so give parents of special needs kids a break. And, and he got up to the podium and he said, where is the perfection? Where yeah. is the perfection? Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially as a Jew, that's what you see. Perfection is in perfection humanly, you know, wealth. And, and he shared the story that the perfection was these boys were playing ball and his son wanted to play and they invited yeah. him to play yeah and 
they, you know, I don't know if he bunted it or what happened, but they overthrew it. And they're telling him, run, run, run. He gets yeah. to first. They overthrow it again. And so, you know, long story short, he makes a home run. Yeah. And he said, there's the perfection. Yeah. That those kids were learning how to love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. You know, yeah. it is the perfection. God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. And if we learn to love, and then otherwise we're just an empty gonging and a clanging cymbal. You yes. know? Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. And, you know, Richard Dawkins being an atheist, um, he's very consistent in his in his worldview. I mean, he lives by a uh, social Darwinistic mentality, you know, if you believe in neo-Darwinianism or not, but there's like biological uh, Darwinism and social Darwinism, and he's just letting his worldview shine forth, you know, because... Yeah, that's the word the same as animals. Remember the story I told you the other day about that? Exactly. The the mother-dog who, you know, didn't keep the run of the litter yes. and so somebody you know saved it and nursed it and fed it and then somebody said oh who could reject that cute little thing and yeah. they're like the mother yeah. you know but that happens in nature that's not supposed to happen with humans we, yeah. we don't shove away the one that's not you know yes that's yes. not human yeah so <laughs> definitely and, and again we're, we want to bring it back to the professing christian who professes christ as lord is he justified in Believing or holding to a pro-choice position, an atheist is uh, honestly he's consistent because mm-hmm. in his worldview everything he, we're all animals. We all came up from the primordial slime fifty million billion years ago, and we are all animals. You know, it's just our DNA running. I mean, Richard Dawkins in his book, um, "The River Out of Eden," he said, "There is no good, there is no evil." It is all just blind and pitiless indifference, right? Mm. But then he can't live that way according to his worldview. You know, he'll say, oh, that's evil and that's wrong. So right. he, he's appealing to some sort of standard. But, um, I mean, obviously he he looks at abortion uh, of, the, of the Down syndrome fetus as a good thing because they're suffering and they don't have any feeling, which I have so much to say just about feelings, yeah. especially in the womb. I mean, again, he's appealing to, to some sort of standard but I mean, how how do you justify that? Right. You know, and, and then if we were to go to science to see if they had feelings, I mean, what kind of feeling too? Well, yeah, and this just this just came out. World Magazine, uh, July first, two thousand and seventeen. Um, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, World Magazine, two thousand and seventeen, and he's talking about the bigger news. Um, and he says, Charles Darwin wrote in 1859 as if cells were stackable blocks of wood rather than the intricate factories we now know they are. The Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 was the great-great-grandson of On the Origin of Species. It disregarded the origin of babies and decreed it legal in every state to treat unborn children as if they were Lego blocks. Doctors then knew, and through ultrasounds we know all, we now all know, what Psalm 139 teaches. In our mother's wombs we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Christians should never be anti-science. That's especially true yes. now, as science affirms biblical truth in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Steve Meyer notes in Signature in the Cell and Darwin's Doubt that s- discoveries are dooming Darwinism. Yep. Other studies, now listen to this, unborn babies moving their lips to sounds they hear and choosing to watch lights that look like faces should doom abortion lobby attempts to dehumanize them. 
The June 19 journal article by Lancaster University's Vincent Reed and his associates noted that the womb is not the dark place we often imagine it to be. It's more like mm. a room on a sunny afternoon with thin shades drawn. We probably cannot read, but we can still see. With mothers hooked up to top-notch 4D ultrasound machines, researchers projected patterns of dots through the uterine wall and found that 39 third trimester unborn babies were more likely to turn their heads toward the face-like shapes than other shapes. And even talks about another study where they read to the babies. They read cat in the hat to the fetuses again and again for the last seven weeks of their pregnancies. As soon as the babies were born, the babies could then choose to hear a recording of either the cat in the hat or a different children's story by hmm. sucking at different times on pacifiers. And they sucked for the cat. And again, <laughs> that word fetus. Let's just clear that one up, too. Oh, yes. It's Middle English. It's from the Latin. It means act of bearing young offspring akin to latin fetus newly delivered fruitful yes it doesn't mean a clump of cells <laughs> it doesn't i mean technically i'm a clump of cells yeah you're a clump of cells too guess what a cat is is, <laughs> is, is, is clump of cells as well i mean yeah. the, the arguments for pro-choice i've listened to them all and they're all fallacious and ridiculous <laughs> and you could easily refute it I mean, it just takes some simple logic. I mean, to be to be completely right, right. honest. I mean, Richard Dawkins is here talking about, oh, it doesn't have feeling. Well, I would I would it's like to ask. It's responding. It's responding to its environment. Yes, it is responding. Yeah, exactly. And then when you stick a what is that clamper? I don't yeah, know what you yeah. call it. But to grab, mm -hmm. to tear the baby apart, the fetus. I mean, for people who don't know and haven't looked at how disgusting and awful an abortion is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had uh, Jania, Jania Jensen talk mm -hmm. about saline abortion. I'm talking about they, they crush the skull of a baby. They rip it limb from limb. Go watch it. Go look at some videos. Go look at abortion doctors. Look at it. When they... It feels go, pain. It feels pain. It pulls its leg up. It pulls its mm -hmm. arm up. It feels pain. So Richard Dawkins, yes, it does feel pain. Well, it does feel. Right. And I'm, I'm just speaking from a woman who's had three large children... I can press. I remember pressing, and they press against me. They responded. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, they, they're responding. They feel. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, again, go, going back to the, uh, and again, uh, right now, bef before we go on to the next segment, I want to, uh, well, did you have anything else to say, Leon? Well, it, it depends if we say it now or later, but, again, about the fact that they're eliminating suffering. That was oh, their yeah. other criteria. Yeah. I know in the CBS article, it says uh, one of the ladies, the, the nurse actually said, we don't look at abortion as murder. We look at it as a thing we ended. We ended a possible life that may have had a huge complication, dot, dot, <laughs> dot, preventing suffering for the child and for the family. And I think that it is more right than seeing it as a murder. So that's so black and white. Life isn't black and white. Life is gray, unquote. Um, if, if your criteria is suffering, I mean, that just opens up the can of worms for everything yeah. <laughs> and every time of life. Yeah. And um, uh, I just love Johnny Erickson Tata, who became a paraplegic at the age of 16. After making an innocent little mistake of misjudging the shallowness of the water, she suffered a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical levels and became a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down. If you Again, you're not aware of her. You need to look her up. You need to read her books. She, you know, she, since 16, she has been in a wheelchair. She's had to have people do everything for her. Mm -hmm. She can do nothing for herself. 
and yet you read how close to God she is and, and the patience and how she has to wait for people to even get her up in the morning and brush her teeth, comb her hair, dress her. She's gone through breast cancer. She's gone yeah. through so many things. And then I listen to what she says about her accident. Had I not broken my neck, I'd probably be on my second divorce, maxing out my husband's credit cards, planning my next ski vacation. I wouldn't be here extolling the glories of the gospel and the power of God to help a person smile, not in spite of the problems, but because of them. Hmm. And I think, right. you know, like you said, probably 99% of cases of people who have children with Down syndrome or whatever, you know, they're going to say, if they, relate on, if they relied on God, they were blessed. Yeah. You know? Yep. All things work for the glory of God to those who love him. All yes. things. Yes. Amen. Um, and again, I think I think we're, we're going to go into worldview here just for a couple of minutes here. But the Christian worldview of what the Bible says is created in the image of God and the atheistic worldview of what um, is the image of their God, which <laughs> is nature, mother nature. I, I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, so but you have Iceland who's... 100% termination rate with Down syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. da termination rate is 100. And I think I think there's a correlation between um, having a, a, a more secular society and having the abortion rates go up with um, having a very religious, family-orientated um, culture and the abortion rates going down. So I pulled up this article on Iceland Mag, and it said this. Th this is shocking. 0% of Icelanders 25 years or younger believe God created the world. And then it goes on to say, Iceland seems, Iceland seems to be on its way to becoming an even more secular nation. By the way, um, the video even addresses that too. According to a new poll, less than half of Icelanders claim they are religious and more than 40% of young Icelanders identify as, as atheists. Remarkably, the poll failed to find young Icelanders who accept the creation story of the Bible. 93.9% of Icelanders younger than 25 believe the world was created in the Big Bang. 6.1% either had no opinion or thought it had come into existence through some other means. And 0% believe that it had been created by God. That's crazy. That's that, scary. That is scary. That is crazy. And, and, and you could just see that the more secular the society is, especially I'm pretty sure, uh, by the way, the video um, says that it's a state church. Yeah, it's by just the a way. state church. So, well. I mean, yeah. Um, so they're probably feeding uh, neo-Darwinism, right? Another form. I mean, because if God didn't create the world, then it had to come in by some other means, right? Obviously. And the only secondary option nowadays is Darwinism, evolution, mm -hmm. which teaches that we're all animals. We all evolved over trillions and trillions of years. So your worldview has a huge impact of, you know, what you believe, what you see, how you value um, life, right? Children, women, men, uh, different races. So, yeah, I mean, it just makes sense that the more secular the society, it, it, it shouldn't shock you when you have 100% termination rate of Down syndrome kids from a very secular society. Right. I mean, it just yeah. makes complete sense. And then you go to the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, 26, 27, which says this. If you are a Christian, right, we're, we're going to be we're going to be coming back to this throughout the podcast. But Genesis 1, 26, 27 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness 
and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds and over the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on them, on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds and the heavens and over everything that moves on the earth. I mean, it's, it's very clear that man and woman are created in the image of God. There is a special creation, according to the Christian worldview, of a human. We are distinct. I mean, God even says um, to have dominion over the fish, the sea, the birds, all of his other creation, which is definitely separating that this is animal and this is in the image of God. And then he says something, and, and we're going to be coming back to this in the podcast. He also commands in the, um, in the dominion mandate, be fruitful and multiply. So whenever you multiply, whenever you procreate, it is being fruitful in the eyes of God. It is. I mean, there's, there's no getting no. around it. I'm sorry. But and, and to say otherwise, well, you're going against God's word, and that's a very dangerous thing to do as a professing Christian. So be fruitful and multiply. So when you start murdering your children in the womb, I mean, we're going to address it here in this podcast in the next segment. Uh, go through scripture after scripture mm -hmm. after scripture. I mean, you, it, it, it's going to be hard to, to, to argue against it as a professing Christian. But when you decide to um, not multiply by murdering your, <laughs> your children, it's being unfruitful. And there's scripture of God with uh, Jacob and Esau um, whenever they're in the womb. God says, two nations are in your womb. <laughs> Two, two nations. God has God uses the means of procreation to for us to have dominion over the earth, to subdue it. And you do that by procreation. So when you start murdering your children, right? If they're Down syndrome, rather if, if, if you're just not ready to become a parent or whatever, um, in the eyes of God, that's being unfruitful. Yeah. And, and you're not multiplying. You, you can give them up for adoption. And just, yes. and, and you know, uh, again, in doing research, you look at how many Christians are adopting Down syndrome children. You yeah. know, how many Christians are going to these orphanages in other countries and they and they specifically say, I want someone with special needs because these countries don't want these kids. No. You know, they see them as refuge. They get dropped off. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a stigma to them in their society. Yes. You know, we know this firsthand with, with some friends of ours who are missionaries in Venezuela. You know, the baby was left in the edge of the jungle to, to die, to be eaten. Because, again, they saw it as, you know, evil, bad luck, whatever. And yeah. so, again, the Christians are showing the love of God and we always have by adopting. God's yes. people have always protected children. Always. I mean, even in the apostolic age. So, And we're, we're going to get into that. Do you have any last words, Leon, on anything? No. No? Nothing? <laughs> okay, so we're going to be back. We're going to bring on... Sandy Nava from the Laredo Life Center here in Laredo. So it'll be, you know, interesting to see someone who's on the front lines, actually, mm -hmm. Um, and again, the struggle they've had. I mean, yeah. again, you'd think that this would be something that, again, they would have just have support coming through the roof for them. Mm -hmm. But again, in this day and age, it's something that, you know, it's it's uh, Satan, you know, doesn't want us to succeed, but we have to keep being vocal. Yes, no, we do. And that, that's one thing, too. That's why I read that scripture at the very beginning, guys. Um, Proverbs, um, Proverbs 24, 10, 12. Read it. 
If you faint on the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We're supposed to love our little labor, our little, little neighbor. neighbor that's in the that's in the womb. Uh, male, female, Down syndrome. Protect them. That is a human life that is within the womb. That is not the woman's body. I'm sorry. Whenever she walks out of the abortion clinic, she walks out fine, and there's a dead baby, torn into pieces on a tray or being thrown in the trash can mm-hmm. somewhere. And no. That's <laughs> that. That's just unacceptable, especially going back again to the Christian worldview. And I'd say too, follow up on this and pray about this again. Where does our value lie? And I know mm-hmm. we're really going to hit this next time, but again, I'm I'm at that other end of life. Um, I have a parent with dementia, and I was reading a book on Alzheimer's, and they said in an era where deriving identity f- comes from professional accomplishments is common. Um, Dunlop, the author, advances an ethic of relational rena- relationality rooted in the gospel. He says, when we buy into the myth that our intellects and abilities define our worth, he explains, we diminish the value of those who lack the same capacities. We demean one made in God's image, and in that sense, we desecrate God himself. So whether it is a child in the womb or whether it is an older person with Alzheimer's, they are all created in the image of God. Yes. So yes. pray on that. Yes. All right. So we'll be back with you in just a quick second. Um, we're going to take on Christina Forrester, contributor of the Huffington Post. She's the founder and director of Christian Democrats of America. And she wrote an article titled The Truth About Christianity and Abortion. So stay tuned. We're going to shred that up in just a bit. Yeah. Whose truth? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, this is Julio. Hey, this is Steve. Before the podcast starts, we want to welcome and give you the opportunity to support our ministry by visiting our website at www.bridgemenlaredo.org. Scroll down to the bottom of any page and you'll find the PayPal donate button. Bridge Ministries exists to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ and to equip people to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. If you would like to help us in our mission of making affordable or free Bibles and Christian books available and also to check out the orphanage that we support, visit our website. Alright guys, we're back with segment two, and this one's going to be interesting. Again, we just got off um, uh, segment uh, number one, which was talking about the Iceland uh, termination rate for uh, um, uh, Down syndrome children in the womb. And now we're on to the second article, which is quite interesting. Christina Forrester, she's a contributor, I think, contributor for the Huffington Post. Uh, She's the founder and director of Christian Democrats of America. And she wrote an article titled The Truth About Christianity and Abortion. And under the subtitle, it says, For hundreds of years, Christians weren't concerned about abortion. What changed? And the the, the article's pretty long. We're not going to be able to get through it. There's just so much content to go through. But what we are going to do is address some of the interesting assertions and claims that she makes um, historically about Christianity and also um, about what the Bible has to say on abortion, according to the Old and the New Testament, Jesus, the Apostle Paul. And by the end of this podcast, you should be able to say, wow, what she, she's making a truth claim here, and rather she hasn't read her Bible, she doesn't know her church history, 
or something's up. So, or she's just flat out lying because pretty much what is in this article is lies. So, um, we're going to have Leanne here read a couple of quotes that we're going to be tackling in this segment. So, And again, I want to stress what Julio started with the title, the undertitle. For hundreds of years, Christians weren't concerned about abortion. What changed? Okay, when you have something as a subheading to your title, you had better have researched that. I mm-hmm. mean, this you're drawing attention to that. Now let's flesh out her statement, what she said. Um, she talks about, uh, she says, however, the phenomena of the vehement anti-abortion vigilance in right-wing Christianity is a relatively new one based on the lack of interest in the topic in early Christian teaching, biblical texts, and Christian culture throughout the history. From a Christian cultural perspective that existed for millennia, in comparison to the views today, there has been an historical shift. (laughs) Okay, she goes on several paragraphs later. It says, The well-formulated moral, spiritual, and political argument on abortion from the conservative Christian and Catholic view is relatively new in the scheme of things. There are no specific (laughs) references to abortion in the Bible, either with Old Testament law or in Jesus's teachings or the writings of Paul and other writers in the New Testament. Most pro-life Christians will use the argument that the simple command of, again, simple command of, you shall not murder, Exodus 20:13, and descriptions such as, you knit me together in my mother's womb, Psalm 139:13, are enough to extrapolate a command regarding abortion. Though this is merely opinion, as a reference to ending pregnancy is never mentioned in the text. Let me read just a few more sentences. (laughs) Likewise, throughout the history of the early church into the Middle Ages, there is little to no mention of abortion as a topic of great alarm from the days of the Old Testament until modern history. Hence, there is no case to be made for a definitive Christian stance throughout history on the the spiritual or moral aspects of abortion. Oh, God is so good. My husband is in seminary classes and had just read from the DDK, which is written, I believe, at the end of the first century. Mm-hmm. It's also called The Teaching of the Twelve Apostles. It's a brief, um, again, some referred to Peter and other apostles, but yep. early church tre- treatise on, um, again, how you actually do church, so to speak. It's kind of like a manual. So again, it's not like we just have the Bible. We Mm -hmm. have other documents uh, because people, you know, wrote things down back then. Um, So it's really interesting to read. So her, you know, she's made three different claims in a very short period of time, including her heading, that there is no historical evidence that the early church cared about it and that it was never mentioned. That's a flat out lie. Right. I I was reading this article, my my jaw was like, to the right. floor. Right. So I know you're <laughs> going to follow up with the scripture, but let me yes. just, just read. Okay, this is first century stuff here. It's under the second part. And again, please, people, we're, we're asking that you look this up. You know, this is the problem today is that people are not using logic. They're not thinking for themselves. Yeah. Just because you hear someone say, oh, please do your homework. Okay, this is under the second part. It says the second commandment of the way of life. The second commandment of the teaching is you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not corrupt children, you shall not be sexually immoral, you shall not steal, you shall not practice magic, you shall not engage in sorcery, you shall not abort a child or commit infanticide. Oh, whoa, I thought there was no mention. Yeah. For the first century church or history. Oh, yeah, and that they didn't care about it. (laughs) Okay, so, I mean, already we have destroyed 
the first like three pages of her article. Yeah, okay. because she makes universal negative claims, which is there are no mentions, mm-hmm. no cases, mostly silent. Yeah. And so it's crazy. And, it, and it's 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 crazy how she belittles scripture by saying it's mere opinion. It's God's opinion, and yeah, and, and, and I'm sorry. Opi- yeah. And if you're a professing Christian who stands on the Word of God, a Bible-believing Christian, that's not opinion. That's your authority, mm-hmm. which is Scripture. So it's just crazy how she'll just belittle Scripture mm-hmm. when, man, if you if you start looking at Scripture as merely opinion, man, that, that's a dangerous area as a Christian right. to get in. Right. Very dangerous. Right. <laughs> okay, so she said it's silent. So go ahead. I know you had some passages from... The Old Testament. Yeah. Exodus, yeah, yeah. She, she makes, she says, likewise, likewise, throughout history of the early church into the Middle Ages, there are no mention of abortion, abortion uh, as a topic of great alarm from the days of the Old Testament. Okay. That's the days of the Old Testament. And the one thing, and we did it on the last segment, is we talked about Genesis 1, 26, 27. If you're listening to this right now, you could go back. But you see how clearly God separates what is in the womb and also human beings as image bearers of God. And we have the uh, creation mandate, the dominion mandate, if, if you want to call that. But he says, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. So when you multiply, you're being fruitful. And if you just use some basic logic, if you are killing your babies in the womb, right? And if you're aborting your children, God would say that's unfruitful and that is an abomination to his eyes. And, and, and even in Genesis 1, 26, 27, you obviously see the clear distinction between image bearers of God and animals, other creations. He, he tells us that we are to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So obviously God sees uh, what is in the womb or when you procreate as being fruitful. And so she makes this claim saying from the days of the Old Testament, there's no mention. I would have to say no as God's people, both in the Exodus and up until now, we have been fighting for the right of children, uh, uh, children that are in the womb. So if you just go to Exodus 1, second book of the Bible, um, it says this. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies to afflict them with heavy burdens. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made them their their lives bitter with hard service in in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And in in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Now, pay attention to this, right? He mentioned multiply. He didn't want them to multiply. So then it says here in verse uh, Exodus 1, 15, Then the king of Egypt said to the the Hebrew midwives, uh, one of whom was named Siaphra and the other Pua, when you serve as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, you shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. Yes, they're letting the children live. God's people. And then it goes on to say in verse 18, So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? 
The midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth, birth before midwives come to them. And then he says this, So God d- dealt with them, with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Mm-hmm. The Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. I mean, that, I mean if, if you don't just read that and say, Wow, God, God values children. Mm-hmm. And I think he would, he would value children in the womb. Mm-hmm. That there is a very... I just don't know how you're a professing Christian and, and you're, you take a pro-choice position and you say that there... You know, you make this, these kind of claims that there's no mention in the Old Testament about that i think this has to say a lot about it so and and again those key phrases it says he was good to the midwives and they feared god you know there's there's a correlation there yeah and i think we some some of us as christians don't or rather we don't fear god and so we just let it happen Mm -hmm. right or we just don't read our bible thoroughly so i mean i mean we're two for oh right now on, on on her on her i mean we have the ddk which are the some of the apostolic fathers who came together to create right. this a manual, document? Like, how do we apply? Yeah. the Christian life, right? So it is in history, and that's not the only place. But again, do your research. And there are many theologian and theologians and apostolic fathers who condemn mm-hmm. abortion, and we're about to get to that too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know there's a, the other passage, Exodus 21 in the Bible. Again, mm-hmm. that she's saying that it wasn't mentioned, and I know briefly in her article she kind of again poo-pooed this passage. Yeah. Um, uh, verse or chapter 21 verse 20 or no 22 if men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely yet there is no injury he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him and he shall pay as the judges decide yeah but if there is any further injury then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life and again, the familiar passage, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, etc. So again, if the child has an injury or is, you know, it's it's a serious consequence. Yeah. And and again, this would be what we would consider today a miscarriage of, you know, a premature birth. Mm-hmm. But God saw that as it was, there yeah. was value. There yeah, was there's a value. That is, I mean, this scripture is the death blow to the pro-choice position as a Christian, right? Saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, my, the scriptures don't really say anything about it, about you well, know, life had, being in the womb. Right. God He's, had a chance. He could have said, oh, it's just a fetus, which again, I hate. It don't the, matter. <laughs> yeah, the fact <laughs> that it actually means offspring or birth. But anyways. Yes. Um, the fact that he said it does have value, it does have life, there is a consequence. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to read this. This is in, in the in the ESV again. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman, this is Exodus 21:22. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her child comes out, that doesn't mean miscarriage. That means that it came out prematurely. Right. Right? So just to get that away, but there is no harm, which is there's no harm to the child. Right. Okay? That one who hit her shall surely be fine. So the so the man who hit her, rather intentionally or accidentally, needs to be fined. As the woman's husband shall impose on him, and yet shall pay as the judge determines. But if there is harm to the child that's in the womb, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. 
that's pretty clear. Now, in, in just in case you're not biblically sold on this, uh, uh, Rush Dooney, um, he's a Calvinistic theologian. He wrote The Institutes of Biblical Law. And, and in his book, in the 263rd chapter, I have it right in front of me, he addresses abortion, which comes from the Sixth Commandment, which is thou shall not kill, right? And he has this to say on Exodus 21, uh, 22 through 25. He says, The importance of the Exodus 21, 22 through 25 becomes all the more clear as we realize that this is case law, that it is set forth by a minimal case uh, certain large implications. Let us examine some of the implications of this passage. Number one, very obviously the text cites not a case of deliberate abortion, but a case of accidental abortion. If the penalty for even an accidental case is so severe, it is obviously it is obvious that the deliberately induced abortion is very strongly forbidden. It is not necessarily to ban deliberate abortion since it is already eliminated by this law. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he says, secondly, the penalty for even an accidental abortion is death. If a man in a course of a fight unintentionally bumps a pregnant woman and causes her to abort, must suffer the death penalty. How much more so any person who intentionally induced an abortion? Third, even if no injury resulted in either the mother or the fetus, the man in the case is liable to a fine and in fact must be fine. And this is, this is we're about to wrap this up here in, uh, with this section. Clearly, the law strongly protects the pregnant woman and her fetus so that every pregnant mother has a strong hedge of law around her. The fourth one is shocking. Check this out. Since even a mother bird with eggs or young is covered by the law, and this is in Deuteronomy 22, 6 through 7. Um, clearly, any tampering with the fact of birth is a serious matter. To destroy life is forbidden except were in, uh, required or permitted by God's law. So God's law in Deuteronomy 22, 6 or 7, we probably can't go there, but it protects the mother's eggs and the mother. Yeah. So again, you go back to Genesis 1, right? 20, uh, 1, 26 or 27, you obviously have that clear distinction of what is in the image of God. And then you have what is creation. Yet God protects both, right? And he values what is in the womb. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to take dominion. He wants to take care of the earth. And he wants us to take care of our little neighbor that's within the womb. Very clear. I mean, these two, this is just, man, when I was looking up scripture, Leanne, there was so much on how God values. And we're about to go through it too right here. I just I could I couldn't take it all. You right. know, I could I couldn't quote it. I quote it all. It was just crazy. So Well, and again, <laughs> if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in the word of God as your authority, I can kind of understand because it's an easy out. Yeah. But again, we're kind of talking right now to the Christians. Yeah, because, we're talking Christians. Um uh, again, we've we've talked about where does it stop? And we've already seen this, you know, if 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 we're alleviating suffering, uh, you know, we want to have our own life free of you know, complications, as people would call it. <laughs> yes. And we talked about a little bit about dementia patients, you know, and, yeah. and uh, that stage right now. And again, I'd, I read from that book, Finding Grace in the Face of, of Dementia. And the author said, he reminds us that even when the dark darkness encroaches, we remain God's image bearers. In Christ, our value endures. And again, scripture is always saying, even before you were formed, mm-hmm. 
you know. I knew your days. I knew your days, yeah. I know the good works that were planned for you. So as again, as a Christian, even before we are conceived, before we are an embryo, Mm -hmm. we have value. Yes. And so from the moment of conception, we have value. And from the moment we leave this tent and are with him, Mm -hmm. we have value. Yeah. Um, So uh, again, the value does not change as to according to the number of cells we have. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone is a clump of cells. And I find this very interesting since this article is coming from the Huffington Post. I mean, you could find a lot of pro-choice articles and this one was by far the one where I had my jaw on the floor. But, you know, they'll pro-choicers will say, oh, well, that's a fetus in the womb. That's a fetus. That's a fetus, right? On the Huffington Post. You could read it over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. And I found it hilarious because this article that we're talking about was published on April 19th, 2017. And then we have on September 4th, 2017, the Huffington Post, the same source, uh, released an article titled this, Duchess of Cambridge Pregnant with Third Child. (laughs) Oh, I guess it's a child now. Oh my! No, you can't have it both ways. I yeah. mean, it's crazy. If, if you if you give the pro-choicer enough rope, you could watch their worldview mm-hmm. and their philosophy hang itself. Just keep talking. Just keep talking, and just keep talking, and just keep talking, and you'll see that they they just commit so many logical fallacies. Right. Jump to so many false conclusions. Have so many false presuppositions. I mean, it's it is crazy. I mean, just on Facebook. Which was just, you know, a couple of hours ago, I, I, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast how they satanic temples teaming up with Planned Parenthood. I mean, you would think that was political satire, yeah. <laughs> you know? But then, you know, there's this, I mean, you know, God bless the girl. I pray for her. I love her as a human being. And if you're listening to this, hey, I'm pretty sure we could be friends and get along. But I just found it fascinating that she, she said in, 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 in her post directed at, my, at that article that I posted, and she said, you know, she viewed the what was in the womb as a fetus, and then called it a parasite. Yeah. I mean, and she is an atheist, and then that's just pretty consistent with the atheistic worldview. Going back to worldview again, you know, I mean, yeah. It was interesting, too. Her very last paragraphs, um, she addressed, again, that why do Christians, why are we so, you know, passionate about this? Yeah. And then she said there's no scriptural or historical backing for it to be the number one issue. Um, you know, like we should be apologizing that something that we do see as as murder is not important to us. But she said that at the expense of the least of these who are suffering now. And so she's saying, why are we making this such a big deal when there's people who are suffering now? And and I want to segue because I know, again, that's been a uh, something that's been thrown at Christians saying, well, if you really care about the unborn, Mm -hmm. why aren't you helping these women? Yeah. And again, please do your homework. Yes. Throughout history, from the time of Jesus, that was something that made them stand out because they were mm-hmm. no longer a hierarchy. The great were serving the least of these. Um, because of the least of these and Jesus' commands, they were setting up, you know, hospitals, yes, orphanages. They were. You know, I mean, you look and see the Christian organizations, and I just did research again. They were talking about... Um, again, there's the data. It was by, um, and I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, again, secular firm doing data about rating hospitals. The number one hospitals were Christian-based. Mm. It was unbelievable because about, you know, the way that their their ethic, their care, because they're doing it in the name of God, in the name of Christ. And so we want to segue over to, um, we have Sandy Nava here visiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> she has the Laredo Life Center here. And that is what they do. They do come along. She's because again, if you're in the in the position of thinking of, what do I do? I wasn't planning on being pregnant. Yes, you are suffering. 
Um, and so as Christians, we want to reach out and help. And so yeah, we we're, help. we're excited to have yeah. Sandy here to talk about, you know, how do they help these? Sure. Thank you for having me. No, no problem. I'm excited to be here. I, I know that uh, you're right, Leanne. I've, I've heard that over and over. You know, why are we going to help them? have a child or encourage them to have a child if we're not going to continue helping them. But that is not true. (laughs) We are here to help. The Laredo Life Pregnancy Center has been here since November of 2006 in Laredo. And we have been loving on these girls Mm -hmm. that come in um, seeking an abortion. Um, They come in and they're scared and they don't know what they're going to do. And normally it's not because they don't think it's a baby. No. It's because they know it's a baby yeah. and the responsibility mm-hmm. that they're going to have to carry now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they need someone there to kind of give them a better perspective on what parenting is. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, they're not getting very good advice or everything that's in front of them is causing them to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're just there to help them step back mm-hmm. and take a better look at their mm-hmm. um not situation at their next journey yeah and we want to be there to help them through that new journey Mm. them and the father and we don't eliminate there's two involved so Mm -hmm. um we involve the father and the mother in this and and we encourage their new journey into parenting um we're here to give love Mm -hmm. christ love one of our motto verses is john 3 17 Mm -hmm. where christ came into the world not to judge it Mm-hmm. but to save it. Yeah. And so we're here to help them mm-hmm. through that and, and give mm-hmm. them love. And um, so our whole thing is giving them compassion, hope, and help. And we have our Laredo Life Pregnancy Center has a beloved boutique, which mm-hmm. a lot of times people think, okay, well, what goes into parenting? Well, there come the diapers and the mm-hmm. baby clothes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of the necessities that are needed. And we're there to help them with that. We're not just there as a moral support or a emotional support or even to just talk to them mm. we're there in a spiritual support we share the gospel with them we love on them and we help them physically mm-hmm. by helping them with the essentials that they need to start their new journey yeah, yeah. and i think too for not every That's person awesome. they are not ready to parent mm-hmm. and my very best friend um they've adopted both their kids and you know and i just have so much respect for those moms who knew yeah. okay I made a mistake, but let's not make another mistake. Exactly. You know, yeah, and there's right. so many people who want that's to adopt, right. and um, you know, God is good. And 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 in both cases, some are more op- open. You know, mm-hmm. they've gotten to meet the parents. Some they mm-hmm. haven't. And and you hear the stories over and over. And these people are so thankful mm-hmm. that wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. sometimes the journey, like you said, they start on is that okay in true love and sacrificial love. I give this child up, but I don't yeah. kill it. Exactly. You yes. Know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is a sacrifice. I mean, either whether they adopt, put their child up for adoption, mm-hmm. or they parent, um, it's a sacrificial act. Mm-hmm. And if w- if we can think back as we're mm-hmm. being Christian, we are to be imitators of Christ, and He sacrificed for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it is so wonderful to see. I work with so many loving men and women Mm -hmm. that love life and want to protect it Mm -hmm. and so they are there to help us through the process and and um we are there to help those moms through the process so it's and they're not alone and that's what we're here for right praise god 
And I know, too, the very first article, the CBS one, that we quoted about how the nurse had said, well, we want to alleviate suffering. Um, again, like you mentioned, Christ. Okay, let's, let's look at a couple of verses about Jesus. Isaiah 53, um, verses 3 through 6, it talks about, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Uh, in Hebrews 2.10, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through him through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings in hebrews 5 8 although he was a son capitalized he learned obedience from the things which mm. he suffered and so i think and again speaking as a parent sometimes when you alleviate suffering you have blocked god from teaching them something mm -hmm. And we've talked about people we love with yeah. special needs. I love my Uncle Bob. You know, and so again, yeah, life would have been easier, but you know what? I know I would not be sitting here. Mm -hmm. I know I'd be a very selfish person if I mm -hmm. didn't have an older brother with special needs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think, again, when we try to um, be wiser than God, we bypass God, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he said, one day the suffering will all end. Yeah. But on, the, on this side of heaven, even his son suffered. So who are we mm -hmm. to say that? You know, suffering is our number one, you know, criteria of, okay, this is how I base all my decisions. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and we know people who have, you know, I, I, I know someone personally who their mother was going to have an abortion and someone that I know who's very close to me stopped them. Mm -hmm. This person that I know, I love them dearly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this person was scared when she was pregnant with, with the person that I know and, and he's alive today. You know, I also know people who have had abortions and they mm -hmm. say, you know, if I could go back and not do it, I would. And they have a lot of, um, you know, scarring from it, mm -hmm. a lot of guilt, a lot of baggage that they mm -hmm. that they have to deal with after. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want to say, too, like if, if you have had an abortion and and um, or you're a husband and you've forced or kind of pushed your wife mm -hmm. or your girlfriend to have an abortion, um, you know, this guilt can be alleviated. Mm -hmm. Christ has come into the world. There's forgiveness in That's him right. and there's salvation in him. And, and he washes us clean by uh, his blood and his work alone. He mm -hmm. makes you righteous. And, um, you know, if anybody wants to come in here and, and talk about that with us, we would feel glad to sit down and mm -hmm. talk with you to find a, a place in a location, rather some Christians who would want to adopt your kids um, or, or help with, with parenting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know some people up in Tempe, Arizona as well, the Red Door <laughs> Ministry. They have the uh, the End Abortion Now program, Marcus Pittman and, and Luke Pearson. Uh, if, if, you're out of, if you're not here in the community of Laredo, and you hear this podcast, message me. I could contact them, and I'm pretty. I'm more than sure they in that church will adopt your child, or they will find somebody, or mm -hmm. they will help you uh, finance to help this child. So we're here to help you too. You feel free to email us and stuff. But there's forgiveness in Christ. That's right. And uh, I, I believe if you have had an abortion, you have a very strong voice to fight against mm -hmm. this. I mean, I, I have some statistics here that and this is according to Live Action News, but. Uh, this is a pro-life organization, but they said in 2014, Planned Parenthood had uh, 3,000 or 323,999 abortions that year. Yeah. That's 80. That's 887 a day, 37 an hour, and one abortion every 97 seconds. Yep. So, I, I just want to say, as Christians, we have mm -hmm. scripture and we appeal to an authority that says what's in the womb has life and has dignity. Fight for your 
the life of your little neighbor that's in the womb. Mm -hmm. Stand up against, you know, this evil and this wickedness and um, and save babies. We've been doing it ever since Rome. You look at a church history, <laughs> yes. look at Rome. That is, we were saving the Roman people when their child, they would just throw them because they didn't want them. They valued yeah. life so little and the Christians were out there gathering, <laughs> gathering them and raising them because yeah. why? Going back to the, to the scriptures, Mm-hmm. They're made in the image of God, and they were mm-hmm. raising these uh, abandoned boys and girls, even the the mentally disabled or mm-hmm. physically disabled, and they were raising them up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's insane. We have a, I have a quote here, and I found this to be absolutely amazing. I read it, and I, I just wanted to tear up. But this is from the uh, Julian the Apostate. He was the last pagan emperor of Rome. Uh, clearly understood the power of the Christians when he wrote mm-hmm. these following statements. This is great. This is this is amazing. These impious Galileans, which he's, he's talking about the Christians here, that's the Galileans, because these impious Galileans not only feed their own, but also ours, <laughs> woking them with their agape, which in Greek means great love. They attract them as children are attracted with cakes. I think that's funny. Um, whilst the pagan priests neglect the poor, the hated Galileans devote themselves to works of charity and by a display of false compassion have established and given effect to their pernicious errors. Such practice is common among them and cause contempt for our gods. Yeah. Definitely seeing the Christians who were being persecuted and martyred. You have Nero Caesar who would who would um who would pretty much torch Christians oh, yeah, because yeah. they wouldn't say Kaiser Kyrios. Yeah, yeah. And they would say, No, you're not Lord. We're good citizens. We'll do, we'll do everything that you ask of us except say that you are Lord or worship your gods or any of that stuff. And and all while they were going through that, they were saving yes. children. They were being different. They were in their community, making a difference in the world. And Emperor Julian clearly saw the writing on the wall. And this is amazing. The Roman emperor would not succumb to political upheaval or force, but to love, the love of Christ. Julian's last dying words in AD 36 were, You Galileans have conquered. Mm. So... People, Powerful. Yeah, yeah. People, Isaiah 34, verse 8 says, Seek and read from the book of the Lord. You know, if you don't know, seek and read. Mm-hmm. And Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so mm. that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's what we're praying for, that yeah. you know truly and again, yes. please just do your homework. Don't believe everything that people tell you. Especially you know. this article. It was, yep. it's crazy. But uh, you want to go ahead and end, I get ended with reading some scripture about how God views in the womb. Mm-hmm. So Psalms 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearful, fearfully and wonderfully made. And that, that goes not to just looking at beauty and cosmetics, but I feel like everybody is literally the design of mm-hmm. the human being is beautifully and wonder, mm-hmm. wonderfully made. He said, Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, uh, woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book. In your books were written, every one of them. The last days were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Psalms 127.3 Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. 
Genesis 16:11 Behold you are pregnant and shall bear a son you shall call his name Ishmael. You are pregnant with a son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Genesis 25:21 And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because he, because she was barren. Being barren back then was a big was a big thing, man. Mm-hmm. If you were a woman and you couldn't give birth to children, it was seen as like, wow, this woman is second class. Mm-hmm. I don't want her in my life. And right. there was some economic um things that had to deal with that with mm-hmm. having kids. It was important to have kids cuz they would continue your um lineage, your heritage, right. your lineage, mm-hmm. the work the field as you got older, they mm-hmm. would take care of you. But again, Genesis 26:21 says, "And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted her granted his prayer, and Becca his wife conceived." And he said this, "Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided. Mm-hmm. Two nations, nations are in your womb." <laughs> Again, you see that multiplying, how you have two babies, and through them, more is going to come. You know what I mean? Two nations are in the womb. Uh, Job thirty-one fifteen. Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? It's amazing. There's a couple more here. Psalms twenty-two ten. From birth I was casted on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Genesis 9, 6. Behold, whoever sheds the blood of man... By man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And then you have Deuteronomy, um, uh, Deuteronomy 5.17, Exodus 20.13, you shall not murder. Uh, and I'd like to close with one more because yes, I love the, 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 the opposite because we've kind of focused on that, and now let's bring it back to God. Isaiah 46.16, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Yeah. Engraved. I just I get that picture, you know, and it's such a comforting picture. Um, that he values us and it's a closeness and it's something that's enduring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And for and then, you know, I could go on and read scripture after scripture. I'll list some here. I'm not going to read them, but I, I might read one here, but it's God condemning children's sacrifice. You have Leviticus 18.21. You shall not give any of your offspring over... Uh, uh, my, my bad, hold on. You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am Lord. You could, I want you to go read Leviticus 20, 2 through 5, Deuteronomy 18 through 10, 2 Chronicles 28 through 3, Psalms 106, uh, 35 through 38, and Ezekiel 16 through 21. This one, you shall, you slaughtered my children and offer them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. Mm. Back then, in near uh, Eastern culture, um, ancient Eastern culture, uh, they would, you know, sacrifice their children to Moloch and pass them through the fire and God saw that as an abomination. Why? Mm-hmm. Because multiplication being fruitful, the creation mandate. So um yeah, very 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 uh good podcast. <laughs> and thanks Sandy for coming in. Yes. Thank appreciate you it. for so. having yes, me. Yes, we might also have someone else on. Do you want to yes. say who might well, come on next week? I'll leave it as a surprise. Yeah, we'll Let's see. Hopefully, see hopefully she... we can get her. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll leave it as a surprise, but just <laughs> stay tuned for the next podcast because we might get someone who who has a powerful testimony and yes. dealing with the same topic. Yeah. But um, anyway, guys, we'll see you on the next one. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Your little neighbor, that is. Yeah. So, Amen. We will see you on the next one. Thank you.